You're listening to the NOAA Ocean Podcast. I'm Megan Forbes, and in this episode, we're going to be talking about NOAA's role in offshore wind energy, the quest for renewable energy, or energy that's been collected from resources which are naturally replenished over time, has led us as a human race to investigate the power of wind. Wind power is a growing source of low-cost renewable energy in the United States. The U.S. is home to one of the largest and fastest-growing wind markets in the world, investing in wind research and development projects both on land and offshore to advance technology, create job opportunities, and boost economic growth. Wind energy has been utilized by humans for more than 2,000 years. Historically, windmills were often used by farmers for pumping water or grinding grain. Today, wind energy is mainly used to generate electricity, primarily through the use of wind turbines. Offshore wind turbines are being used by a number of countries to harness the energy of strong, consistent winds found over the ocean. In the United States, 53% of the nation's population lives in coastal areas where the energy costs and the demands are high and land-based renewable energy resources are often limited. The state of Hawaii is one of the most recent states to research the use of offshore wind as a local renewable energy source to reduce its dependence on fossil fuels. The Bureau of Ocean Energy Management or BOEM, recently partnered with NOAA to gather biogeographic information to evaluate potential coastal and marine impacts from offshore turbines around the main Hawaiian islands. Through these biological assessments, NOAA scientists are helping companies determine what the effects might be of placing a new wind turbine in a certain area of the ocean. What are the impacts to fish, corals, the seafloor itself? and even to the humans living near the area. This research will help select the best spot for a future turbine to be placed. I had the chance to talk with the two primary scientists working on this project in Hawaii, Brian Costa and Dr. Matt Kendall from the National Centers for Coastal Ocean Science. We began the discussion by talking a bit about NOAA's role in offshore wind energy projects and how they became involved in the support for this effort. Brian was the first to explain. NOAA's work in offshore wind, particularly NOS, or the National Ocean Service, it's been pretty diverse over the years since 2011. And it's included things like conducting surveys of what local residents feel about offshore wind, how they use the ocean. It's also included work such as mapping the seafloor habitats and characterizing those habitats, and also predicting where certain animals might be in the ocean. These products were designed to inform the leasing process, including siting, anchor placement, cable routing, construction, and operation. Matt had a great way to further explain the process to me. So you've got a few main players in siting offshore wind development. You've got a municipality that needs power. You've got an industry that can place offshore wind turbines and get power. And then you've got an agency that regulates and leases the seafloor for where those things can get placed. And that is BOEM, the Bureau of Ocean Energy Management. They're kind of the main regulatory agency in this. NOAA's role is in providing them information to help make the decisions about where to place things so that they don't impact environmental issues that Brian was talking about. They don't impact seabird flyways, deep corals for where things are going to be anchored, or some of the communities where they're going to have to pass the power line from offshore up into the municipality where it gets hooked up. 
Next, we talked about some of the greatest benefits of wind energy in Hawaii and why this is a good fit for NOAA support. Hawaii is really a perfect fit for getting power from a couple different things. Anybody that's been there knows they have an abundance of sunshine and driving around you see a lot of solar panels on roofs. And anybody that's been to the beach knows there's always a nice breeze and they have an abundant natural resource there that can be harnessed to get a lot of their power. In fact, the state of Hawaii has set a goal of achieving 100% of their energy need from renewable sources by the year 2040. The state of Hawaii stands to benefit in several ways from offshore wind. First, the state's electricity prices are the highest in the nation, and they're so high because over half of its electricity is generated from imported oil. Generating more electricity from local sources, like wind, really could help reduce the cost of electricity in Hawaii. Also, it has the potential to reduce emissions that are harmful to human health, as well as to create jobs in a new business sector, and to help the state of Hawaii rely less on foreign energy sources and achieve greater energy independence. Uh, that said, wind energy is a pretty new industry in the U.S. It's more developed in Europe in particular. So there are potential impacts and trade-offs, and uh, it will require further analysis as the wind energy leasing process unfolds in Hawaii and in the U.S. at large. I asked Brian and Matt to walk me through the steps of a marine biogeographic assessment. The biological assessment, or what we call a biogeographic assessment, typically has four main steps. The first step focuses on planning, and in that step, a partner will reach out to us with an informational need, and then we'll meet with them to determine their priorities and what type of data and services would be most useful to meet their requirements. So for example, in Hawaii, Boehm reached out to us because they were expecting to receive a lease request for renewable energy from independent companies, and they needed help compiling information about the marine resources around the main Hawaiian Islands. The second step in this framework is really focused on partnerships. And during this step, what we usually do is meet with local experts and data providers, and we work with them to inventory existing spatial information and to begin to identify data gaps. And it's really critical for us to work closely with these partners because they're the ones that collected the data and understand it best. In Hawaii, we worked with many different organizations, too many to, to name, during the podcast, but there were four in particular that we worked most closely with, and that was NOAA's Southwest Fisheries Science Center, NOAA's Pacific Island Fisheries Science Center, the state of Hawaii, and also the University of Hawaii. The third step in this process focuses on patterns and products, and during this step, we analyze and combine the data sets that we, we gathered from the partners, and we use it to characterize broad spatial patterns in the marine environment. We develop products of things like technical reports, web maps, spatial data sets, and we make sure that they're useful and they're meaningful and accurate for all of those folks involved. And then the fourth and final step really focuses on informing decisions. And during this step, typically we work with a partner agency to help them answer questions using those products specific to their needs. In Hawaii, this is an ongoing process. Our project was a small piece of a much larger and longer leasing process. And, and this is being conducted by BOEM in collaboration with the state of Hawaii. 
Yeah, if I could just add a little bit to that. My title's a marine biologist and Brian's a marine ecologist, which makes you think that we get to do cool things out in the ocean. And the fact is a lot of this kind of work is done from your desk and the internet and on the phone. There's a huge body of information that has already been collected. And what really needs to be done is it just needs to be repackaged in a way that makes it the most useful for BOEM and energy planners to make decisions with. And that's really a big part of what our role is in this, gathering and interpreting relevant information to make it useful in a new context. It's really step three in about a 20-step process that BOEM and the state and others are engaged in. So it doesn't replace that survey-level information that needs to be collected when they do narrow choices down to a particular spot. There will be additional field data that's collected to further understand and refine the potential options for placing these things, but we're just not at that step yet. To the everyday ear, this project sounds like a lot of numbers. I wanted to know what people did with the data they collected. The data goes to a few different places at the end of a project like this. Specifically, it's sent to our partner agency. In this case, the work in Hawaii was uh, funded by BOM's Pacific Outer Continental Shelf region to conduct their own analyses. It's also ingested into an online map so that folks can view this information dynamically on their own. Lastly, it's also archived at NOAA's NCEI, our National Centers for Environmental Information. And what NCEI does is preserve it, and they also make it freely available to the public online. Usually we make the data available in a few different ways so that we can make it accessible and understandable to as many folks as possible. And these different mediums also give us the opportunity to explain what we did in different ways to different people and ultimately why this work is important to a larger audience because it provides a foundation to help maintain productive oceans that support the economy of the United States. Yeah, and just to answer the question, what do we do with the data in a different way? NOAA's role in this stops short at interpreting and providing specific recommendations. BOEM has subject matter experts in seabird ecology, in coral reefs, in marine mammals and sea turtles. It's their role to take the information that we provide and make the decisions regarding placement or construction timeframes of when they might put an offshore development in. Like many NOAA projects, partnerships were essential to this project. Brian and Matt explained why. So our partners were critical to the success of this work and to other types of work uh, like this. And what these partners did was provide us with data sets describing the distribution of marine resources. They also lent us their time and expertise to help us understand those data sets, to review our draft products and analyses, to make sure that, again, what we were producing was, was meaningful, was accurate, and was useful. And in some cases, the partnerships that we forged during this work have continued, resulting in additional projects that are still going on today. 
we do most of the heavy lifting in terms of the analysis. But in some cases, it's better, more appropriate to actually outsource that to some of our partners. And the reef fish section of the report is a good example of that, where we actually worked with the scientists at the University of Hawaii to do the analytical portion of that work and then fold it into the larger report. But in all cases, they're providing data, they're explaining caveats about appropriate uses, they're assisting with the interpretation, they're reviewing the data products that we're providing, and in many cases, they're co-authors in the report. I was curious, what did they feel were the next steps for NOAA in terms of offshore wind energy? I'll be interested to hear Matt's uh, answer. <laughs> but in my opinion, the next step for NOAA is to continue cultivating the many partnerships that we've developed since about 2011. And since then, we've entered into agreements with many federal, state, and regional partners. We've engaged, I think, in over 10 or so projects in Alaska, the West Coast, Pacific Islands, Gulf of Mexico, and the Atlantic Coast, directly related to ocean energy. And there is definitely a lot of work to do as this industry continues to grow. And NOAA and NOS, or the National Ocean Service in particular, I think has the technical understanding and really the unique technical capacity to help stakeholders make more informed decisions about their marine resources moving forward. Another important thing for NOAA to do uh, looking to the future is to maintain long-term data sets on a lot of the flora and fauna that are involved. It's a question of, okay, where are the seabirds today? Where are the marine mammal migration corridors today? And one of the important things that NOAA can continue to do into the future is maintain a lot of these long-term data sets. Understanding the impacts of offshore wind development into the future relies on knowing where things are now. But that doesn't mean you can stop collecting the data once you've made the decision. Understanding the long-term impact, you need to continue to collect those data streams so that you can look at how the organisms respond or their distribution changes in relation to any decision or placement of infrastructure that's made. Both Brian and Matt have had the opportunity to research and participate in a wide variety of projects over their careers, covering such diverse topics as coral reefs, sanctuaries, habitat conservation, fish habitats, benthic mapping, just to name a few. I wanted to know, what did each of them take away from this particular project experience? I think Matt and I were chosen for this project for a couple reasons. First, we had history in the area. He and I have been working in Hawaii and, in Matt's case, the broader Pacific for a number of years and have had a lot of connections and a lot of opportunities to meet people there and make connections with partners already. And that really helped jumpstart this project because those partnerships, as I mentioned before, were so critical to the success of the work. I'm excited to see how the products will be used over the coming years to not only help decide how best to develop offshore wind in Hawaii, but also help with some of the other important environmental decisions that are on the horizon for Hawaii. That's it for this episode of the NOAA Ocean Podcast. Thanks to Brian Costa and Dr. Matt Kendall for educating us on marine biogeographic assessments and how they support offshore wind energy development. 
To learn more about this project or any ocean-related topic, visit our website at oceanservice.noaa.gov. We appreciate you taking the time to learn with us and hope you'll join us again soon. Until then, thanks for listening.